Today, we are talking about finding hope and rewriting your story, finding God and rebuilding your spiritual life, navigating through resentment and pain so that we can heal and taking action even when you're scared. Y'all, listen, I connected with Nairi Watkins, who has a documentary and book called Crack Baby, and she is sharing her incredible story of how she is making an impact in this world, even when all odds were stacked against her. known you about 30 seconds and it seems as though you just it seems as though you just feel super comfortable in your skin you're like I am this I am that there's some confidence there there's some authority there there's some conviction there and I'm wondering has that always been the case for you no ma'am no ma'am yeah. I was very insecure little girl growing up without my parents growing up with stigmas right growing up with issues of birth defects I was very very em- emotionally immature So what certain kids can handle, I couldn't handle. That made me insecure about myself. It made me question me. It made me question my existence. I felt rejected a lot. So I was rejected a lot. I just always felt like I wasn't worthy. I wasn't enough. So I dealt with a lot of that growing up. Didn't know who I really was for real. So it was a lot of just discombobulation going on. Unstable. Like it was really, really chaotic growing up. So I I feel like me being what you just said, confident and knowing who I am now, but it stemmed from me not knowing who I was before. Yeah. And I guess when when you go through certain things in life and you get tired of life beating you up and you get tired of feeling like this victim, something on the inside of you says, that's enough. What can I redo to change not read? Because only I can change me. You know, it's came my mama, my daddy, they can't do it. So, you know, it, it was a lot of phases, a lot of ins and outs, and a, and, and a lot of heartache, a lot of breaks, a lot of a lot of that stuff that I had to go through in order to be who I am today. That's it. You know, I love um I love the new book that Oprah's coming out with called What Happened to You. And her and her co-author, they're trying to reframe about, you know, us going to people and like, why are you doing this? Why are you acting like that? Or whatever. And 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 restating that question of like, what happened to you to 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 cause this? And I think it's, you know, easy for us, you know, especially like young kids who are like acting up or doing whatever, you know, says to be like, well, let's give them some more medication or let's, you know, get on to them or whatever without asking that question. What happened to you? What got you to this point? And I wonder if you would just share with our audience, like, what do you think was the underrooting calls of uh, some of that, that hardship as a young person? Yes. So the hardship as a young person. So, okay. So me being born as a crack baby, right. It caused me to have 55 fits. It caused me to have. Can you explain what that means? A crack baby? What is that? Yes. A crack baby is when you are born with crack cocaine in your system and you are affected by it as an infant as an infant so even before coming out of my mom's womb I was affected by it and when I came out of course people can tell that I was affected by it by the long cries okay it was very hard to calm me down as a baby because you were having Um, withdrawals weren't you I was having withdrawals my little body wanted crack 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And because my body couldn't get that, I began to cry out, scream. I had seizures, convulsions, rolling of my eyes, just very just a very bad reaction to the fact that my body couldn't couldn't have it. And as a baby, come on, like a little bitty baby, like this little, like it was a lot as a baby. So me going through that there alone was enough. Right. And then me having to deal with the fact that my mom is not around. Yeah. Having to deal with the fact that my dad is not around. So now this little baby is moving around all these different places, being around all these different Was it foster care? I thank God that I was not in foster care. Yeah. So what happened was I was born in 1988. And in 1989, what happened was the system started realizing like, hey, these babies are coming out not right, something not right. So they started testing the mothers while they were in the delivery and saying, hey, you are tested wow. positive for crack. So what we're going to do is take your baby uh, and we're going to send you to prison. Hmm. So I just beat it. And I know that one number, God, come on. I yeah. just beat that. Like me, born in 88, they started taking babies in 89 for having crack in their system. Yeah. So I just beat that. So it, I mean, it was a lot that, me as a little girl was dealing with on top of me not having the proper care, you know? So the good thing about the doctors finding out that little infants, little bitty babies having crack in their system, they was able to give them the proper care. Mm. See, that was the mm. good part about mm. that, right? Even mm. though they had to go to foster care, even though their parents had to go to prison. But the good thing is they was able to treat them babies. Me, right, right. I wasn't treated. Okay. So I just... You just I had to like literally live and see if it just came out of your system naturally? Yeah. So basically wow. that's what happened. I, it took a while for me to grow out of it. Um, I heard that when I got five years old, that's when I stopped passing out. And that's when I, you know, stopped certain behaviors. And then me being five to six, seven, eight, then I started acknowledging something is wrong with me because why am I like throwing this baby down when when I can't get it the way I want it? Why am I acting like this when my bed is not how I want it? Why right. is my cousin... Right who basically took care of me. Why is her daughter acting normal and I'm not? So you went to go live with family, right? Yes, I live with a lot of family, mostly my aunt Jeanette, mostly my cousin Nike, whom I love them so much. I I call them my angels here on earth. Yeah. um, Yeah. Because they dealt with all of that with me. And did they tell you what was going on? Like, hey, you know, you were born with this in your system. Did you have any understanding of that? I had no understanding when I was little. I had no understanding. I think when I first, when we first talked about it, I was like 11 or 12. You know, when you get up Mm. there in that age, then you get to questioning and having these questions and you're like, wait. And then that's when we began to have the conversations. But back then, no, I didn't even know. They really sheltered me. Um, they really made sure that they didn't want me to have no negative anything in my mind. You know, they wanted yeah. me to be just a regular kid. So they didn't want to expose that early. So yeah, it was, whoo, wee. 
Now, now fast forward us just a little bit. I have some questions for you about just what you've been able to create over the past few years and the intention that you've set and and the hope. Like that's the word that keeps coming back to me is like hope because a lot of times we're said like, oh, people are gonna be this way forever and they're just, you know, whatever. And like people like you, I think it's so cool because it's like, you know what? Things can change and we can rewrite our story. Uh, and, and I wanna know exactly how you were able to do that. But before then, can you kind of fast forward us to like teenager, young adult, uh, growing into Nairi the woman, like what was that process? Man, that was a big process. I mean, just just like we just discussed when I was a little girl, right? So being being a teenager, this is where I'm I'm finding out that I couldn't lean on my parents, you know. So me having to learn things on my own, I had to grow up fast. When I got 13 years old, I stopped going to school. I stopped everything. I stopped singing and dancing and being in sports because the attention that I needed from my parents, I couldn't get it from them. So what happened was I began to see everything that was going on in the world and it looked good to me. And I was like, "Woo, let me go and try this sure. and try that. And what happened was I tried the drugs and I tried the alcohol and I tried the sex and all the things that came with being in the streets. So as a young teenager, I didn't have a teenage year. Like I didn't have the teenage, you know, life all like that. I basically just grew up. I to was adult. very grown. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. an adult at 13. That's when I got to being in the streets and yeah. all of that happened and being in the streets led for me smoking weed, drinking yep. liquor, yep. selling drugs. Okay, yep. that was a way of life for me. I couldn't I couldn't get no job. So okay. The people around me, they sold drugs. They gave me an opportunity to sell drugs. That's how I made money. And and I felt this too as a teenager because I was I was what you call judged because I didn't have the nice clothes. Sure. I didn't I didn't look the best. I didn't have all of the stuff that, you know, my some of my cousins had or some of my friends had. So when I started making money by myself and started getting my own money, which was from selling drugs, I was like, oh, you can't call me no bum now. So that was like my kind of my motivation into doing it was to provide for me because Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting the proper care that I needed. So I was like, okay, I'm out here now. I can provide for myself. And between 13 years old to about 15-ish, that's when I was really, really just lost. Wow, Um, so young, man. I was so young out here, just lost for real. I was just trying to live. Yeah. You know, just trying to live and find my way. Yeah. I started to, you know, have a little self-reflection a little bit once I got my first job, you know, and I was like, whoa, Nari. And yeah. when the lady who gave me the opportunity told me the truth, she said, look, I like you. And if you go keep, you know, having this attitude, because I used to go off on customers, I would cuss them out and mm-hmm. I was something else. My attitude was a bad. But she gave me a chance. And I love people that give people chances. Come on. And I think that's what's driving me to that hope word you're saying. Come on. Because I was able to to get a chance from somebody. Now I can say I can be that person for somebody else. Amen. And if my story can help somebody and give them hope and give them a chance to say, okay, I can still make it regardless of what I'm going through. Then I feel like I won because because of the chances from certain people in my life, I can be able to have that same compassion. I can be able to have that same heart for somebody else. 
Amen. And then when I met Jesus Christ, <laughs> that's when it really changed. Tell me that story. I want to hear. <laughs> okay. So that, that was a whole, that religion thing that really got me. So I, Come on. when you getting into stuff, right? You don't know what you're getting into. A lot of times you just get into it just to break that down a little bit. When I first started, well, I started going to church as a little girl, right? Singing in a church, you know, doing the stuff, but I didn't really know who God was. I mean, I'm just doing what everybody else was doing. But as I got older and I began to get in my young adult years and I started going to church and these preachers was like, they was talking to me and I'm like, hold on, this is really helping me, but it feels so weird, but it's so good and it's so on time. And then what happened was I kind of got drew in not knowing the relationship part. It was just more mm-hmm. of the religion part. Okay, mm-hmm. I go to church, I serve, I do all the things that church people do, yeah. but I was losing relationship. I didn't really know who God was still. So what happened was in that process was, it's a lot of time I had to step away from everything and everybody mm-hmm. because that's when he really started to show me who he was in my life when I was at home. You know, when I was able to hear myself, when I was able to have that one-on-one with God. And that's when I knew that Jesus was real, man. And I'm going to just share this real quick. Sure. My um, friend mother, my homegirl, Nikki, her mom took me and my little baby in. My baby was about three months I really didn't have a stable environment. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm in college. I, you know, I just got my GED whoop, whoop, and I'm in college and I'm going, I'm trying to get this degree, but the environment I am, I'm in is not good for me. So her mother took me and a baby in. Um, of course, she's a down heart Christian, like, man. But one day I had an experience and I don't know if I seen freaking uh, spirit. I'm telling yeah. you, I, I didn't smoke weed that day. So I said, no, I, no, I ain't tripping. <laughs> <laughs> but I seen a spirit and my homegirl called her mom. She said, my, my nickname is Missy. Um, she said, my Missy just seen a spirit. And she said, tell her she better not leave my house. I'm coming. So she get there and she get to, you know, praying and, and speaking in heavenly language and tongues and, you know, her, she got her sister girls with her and they came over and they got- Oh, I know this life. I know oh, this life. <laughs> woo, 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 right? So remind you, I ain't all about the religion thing. I don't like that because I feel like mm-hmm. it closes people in. We, you know, it takes so much yeah. out of a person. You Come know, on. It really strips your identity for real. Religion strips who you are. And that's something that I had to learn too. So anyway, so they praying and, you know, so one, so the next day, I come in the house with my baby on my hip. I just got her from my um, cousin Nike because my cousin Nike used to watch her while I go to college. So I'm just getting in and um, I just feel like I had to throw up. Mm. And I feel, and I feel like I'm about to throw up. So her and her sisters, okay, they get to praying while I'm feeling like, so I, I give Nikki, my homegirl, the baby. I said, here, Nikki, I, I feel like I'm about to throw up. Do you know, instead of throwing up, I was crying and Mm. I was screaming and Mm. I was screaming and they was calling on the name of Jesus and they was touching me. And I don't know, at that moment, I just felt like something was in me, but it it came out of me or it was a lot of hurt and pain and tears and all the stuff probably that I probably went through as a little baby onto that day. And 
Mm. These women was praying and, and loving on me. And, and that's when I began to have a personal relationship with Jesus mm. Christ. You know, all the, because see, what people don't know is my dad is a Muslim and my mom is a Christian. So yeah. I had to find yeah. my own way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it was very confusing. You telling me one thing, you telling me one thing. Okay. All right. I get it. So I had to find my own way, but God came through in that moment. Yeah. And that's yeah. when he showed me who he was through them women. And I would never forget that day. So every time I find myself getting off track, I go back to that day when he yeah. saved my soul. Yeah. And, um, I ain't never been the same ever since. He's been my number one. He's been my first love. I could say he's been my first love ever since that day. And um, that's when I started knowing him for myself. Yeah. Not from what a preacher was telling me, not from what my mama or my aunties or certain people was telling me. I was knowing him for myself. Yeah. So that's where the, the, you know, whole religion thing, I kind of broke that off. And then I started building a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and I can say he's been there with me. You know, it's just something yeah. about that name. And, um, but see, this is what people get mixed up because mm. Jesus was radical. You know, he <laughs> wasn't in no four walls. Yeah. Okay. He had yeah. purpose. Yeah. And he is my role model. Mm. And I know that I have purpose today. And I know that when I get in front of people or when, I, when I'm sharing my story, I begin to think about what Jesus did and how wow. he shared his story and how he was able to help certain people and how he was able to help people get free. Yeah. So it's just, this whole project is bigger than me. You know, I'm just the person, the messenger, right. but it's bigger than me. Help so. us out with this part, because I know, yeah. you know, when, when you've been through some stuff and you start trying to get right with, you know, with God and stepping into your calling and entering into that highest version of you and who you're called to be. I think, one of the things I wrote down for you watching your documentary is I wrote down the word um, resentment because I knew, I know like when people, you, you know, you were a baby, you know what I mean? Like you were a little girl and navigating through some of the hurt and the pain and maybe perhaps resentment that, you know, somebody might feel uh, growing up in a way that might've felt unfair or things happened to you. I know that's a common barrier for a lot of unconventional leaders is we want to make a difference in this world. We want to make an impact. We want to use our voice, but also too, we have to face that pain and face that struggle and start to deal with it and move past some of these feelings towards other people, maybe in our lives who've harmed us. How, how did you walk through that? Well, the thing is to be all the way 100, to be all the way Gucci, to be all the way real. I'm still walking through that. Come on. Um, the word <laughs> resentment, I didn't even really pay attention to that word until my dad started being back in my life. Yeah. And I felt all this stuff. And I'm like, why am I feeling this? Like, what is going on? I was like, whoa, I did not know I had unforgiveness inside of me towards my dad. Yeah. I did not know that that feeling, all of those feelings was resentment. Mm. And I will resent him unconsciously. I, oh my goodness. So right now, me and my dad, we are kind of like, a, like very afar right now. Sure. Um, he's where he's at. I'm where I'm at. The thing with me is I kind of try to force our relationship. Mm. And at the end, I was the one to get hurt. Because I'm forcing stuff. And I don't want to force nothing with nobody. So that's another lesson I learned. 
I yeah. love lessons yeah. because it helps me to not go back to it. So yes, that resentment word, man, my dad, definitely. I even resented my mom and didn't know it either. But the good thing about my relationship with my mom is even though she was on drugs, even though she was in and out of my life, it's certain things that my mom does for me that I know, like that's my mom and can't nobody take that place. Yeah. So the resentment that faded away because of the relationship. Isn't that a lesson right there because of relationship? Because of relationship. I mean, you got to have relationship if you want certain things to kind of, and if you can't get that relationship, that's when God come in. Yeah. You know, because his grace helps us do things that we can't do on our own. So he will begin to help us, even if that person don't want to accept it or that person don't want to be in your life or whatever the case may be. That's when he comes in. He steps in when you can't step in for yourself. So I don't want to discourage nobody out there when we're talking about this, because don't be trying to hurt yourself, trying to force something to, to come together. I just got out of that. Don't do it. It's not good for you. It's not good for your yeah. spirit. It's not good for your mind. It's not yeah. good for your body. You know, um, just let go first. Got to let go so things can come together. Because if you're trying to hold on to it, it's going, you're going to hurt yourself doing that. Amen. And uh, that's what I encourage whoever, you know, watching this right now that, look, if you're having a relationship issue and it don't have to just be your parents, it can be a sister, a brother, yeah. you know, the best thing for me that I am doing is letting go. Beautiful. Because if you don't let go, it's going to be, it's just going to be not going to be good. I just That's got it. out of it. I was going crazy, y'all. That's it. So That's it. let go and let go. That's it. And forgiving and walking in love and all that you, it still, you requires still requires boundaries, still yes. requires boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah. You can yeah. still walk in love. You can still be who God created you to be. Okay. From afar. Yeah. Okay. Cause from sometimes afar. you just have to be afar from some people. That's so Unfortunately, true. of course we all want to be loved, right? We all want to be like, we all want to come together with our family and friends, but that's where wisdom come in at. And like you just said, boundaries, that's where that boundary road come in at. And say, yeah. oh, uh-uh, wait a minute. I still got to protect my peace. I still got to, you know, set boundaries. So you would know, you would definitely know, but yes, let go. Let yeah. Go. One of the things I also wrote down, I really appreciated, you said this towards the end of the documentary and I'm paraphrasing here, but you, you said something on the lines of, you know, that you, you've dealt with inadequacy a lot. And sometimes you still struggle with inadequacy. And I was like, thank you for saying that. Because when I look at you, and it'd be easy for people to look at you, you know, you're accomplished, you have, you know, you wrote a book, you have this documentary now, you seem so confident and all that. And you're using your voice and helping other other women. It's easy to be like, oh, well, it must be easy for Nairi because, you know, she's just so confident and everything. And I love it when leaders are able to say, guess what, I still struggle. And this is still hard. But but I'm still moving and taking action in the midst of that. And thank you for being that vulnerable because we need to hear that. But also too, you know, those who are listening right now who have their own fears and inadequacies of all these things, how do we still take action even though we're scared? And that's the thing too, even though you're scared, that is so scary. That's just like getting on a roller coaster. You know, I was just at Six Flags with my kids and they had me get on three roller coasters and I was scared out my mind. <laughs> but I knew You're the Superman. You know, oh my goodness. Oh. No, we got on the um the Scorcher, mm-hmm. the Daredevil, and the Goliath. 
<laughs> Those names, man. <laughs> so they get, so I'm on these roller coasters, but me being a visionary, so mm-hmm. it's so like, not even that day went by. I was like, oh my goodness, that's how life is, y'all, right? So when you're dealing with certain struggles, and one of those struggles is you may feel like you're not up to par to complete yeah. a project, or you're not up to par to start writing that book. You feel like you're not up to par to uh, uh, start that business, right? And as you feel, you you know you have the vision, right? You know you have it. You know certain things that you are good at. So that's you going up that roller coaster. And you know you got these things. You got it all in order. You know you can do it, right? But when you go down that hill, it's and it so gets real scary for you. It get real scary for you. And you feel like you're not ready to go down them hills. Mm. You do feel inadequate. You yeah. do feel like maybe you're not, um, could you think, could you start looking at everybody else, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you seeing everybody else on the roller coaster and they got their hands up and they laughing and they like, shoo, this is fun. So you like, okay. But then once it happens to you, you like, uh-uh, no, I don't want to do it. Yeah. But it's the thing of, even if you feeling inadequate, even if you feeling like you can't do it, the best thing you can do is do it. Because if you don't do it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be one of those people that have regret, that feel like, dang, only if I could have. You don't yeah. want to be only if I could have people. Yeah. You know, do it anyway. We all, Look, we all have to make mistakes. We all mm. have to fall a little bit, right? Failures create success. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Because it, it lets you know what you need to work on. Yeah. So it's okay. Even if you feel like you are inadequate, right? Just know you are not the only person that feel that way. Come on. Just know that you can still do it anyway. And that, that's that's the fun part because once you do it, you're like, man, it wasn't so bad after all. Because I'm getting through that, y'all. Because I'm still I still feel inadequate when I when I'm sharing my story sometimes. Sure. You know, sure. because of of the birth defects. I still have birth defects. I still yeah. get tongue tied. I still stutter a little bit. I still go through a little mental exhaustion. I still go through certain things that yeah. probably somebody else don't go through, but I'm still walking in it because I know it's helping somebody. Come on. See, you get up off yourself and start focusing on your ultimate purpose and goals then you can be able to kind of like okay so you went to church today man (laughs) I have one final question for you Nairi but where can people connect with you online buy your book what are are all the things yes so look you guys can go to my website that's meet m-e-e-t Nairi n-y-r-e-e dot And there's a link that you can get my book on. You can click that link. It's going to take you to Amazon. You can get the book there. If you don't want to do that, we got my books on Barnes and Nobles and it's on um, authorhouse.com. So cool. And my documentary right there. You can see the whole documentary on my website and my music. I can't forget about my music. I just wrote three songs. My music is out and that's all on the website too. Everything is on the website, y'all. Meetnairi.com. And it's a, it's a sick website too. Y'all did good on that. Like it looks really, really good. <laughs> Big ups to Michael yes. Mueller, you know, Ashley Davidson, Daniel. I just appreciate y'all so much, man. Y'all is really looking out for your girl. And I'm telling you, man, when you give, man, it's going to come back to you tenfold. That's right. Hands down. That's right. And it's, it's, 
man is is wonderful. Amen. I'm, I'm so grateful. All that will be linked in these show notes. Very last question. Well, first, I want to uh, honor you um, and and thank you for your work you're putting out into this world. Like you feel the presence of God on you when you speak and when you talk. And I know this is just the beginning for you, Nairi, but my last question for you really, again, is, I guess, finding hope when you feel like it's all spent out. You've been motivated before, you've read all the books, you've been to the conferences, you've had the pep talks, you've had all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're still sitting there left with you. And all the imperfections and all the pain and all the hurt, bridging that gap between where you are right now versus where you're called to be. Any last words of advice or thoughts for somebody who really needs that hope today? My hope moments was when I got by myself, when I had to let go of the internet for a while. Come on. I had to (laughs) let go of the sermons on the internet and the sermons on the TV I had to let go of all of that. I had to let go all of the people, all the noises. And once I got by myself and I get to hear me and I get to see where Nairi was, that's how I was able to help myself. Because let me tell you something. Change starts with you. It don't start with what you read. It don't start with what you see. It starts with you. So if you're not changing you, if you're not spending that quality time to yourself, then it's going to be hard for you to receive things from other people. That's it. Yes. The hope starts with you. Get by yourself. Start writing. Start journaling. Start meditating. Start going deep within that that, that root down there, that that gut. That's what my mama say. That gut. And Mm. start seeing where some of those feelings and emotions is coming out of. And that's when you begin to work on you. And that's where your hope is because your hope is already there. Hey, y'all, before we jet out of here, if you are looking to build a course or a membership site, build in some online income so you can fund your creative work, you know, bring a little extra money monies. One of my favorite platforms, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's my favorite platform, is Kajabi. Almost everybody I work with, I somehow convinced to get onto Kajabi. I personally use it. It's an all-in-one platform for not only your email list, but also hosting your courses, your membership sites, and pretty much whatever you wanna do. You can do it on Kajabi. To start your free trial, all you have to do is go to heatherparity.com forward slash Kajabi. That is linked in the show notes. And start your trial for 14 days. I mean, technically, you could build a product, sell the product within two weeks, and it pays for itself. No sweat. Again, that is heatherparity.com forward slash Kajabi.